0: You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 148, Teaching Children to Navigate Friendship. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. I recently asked the 3 30 podcast community on Instagram to help me choose episode topics for the rest of 2020 and into 2021. I asked, if you could hear a 3 and 30 episode about anything, what would it be? The responses were amazing, and I used them to craft a content calendar that I hope will be incredibly enriching and inspiring for all of you in the next many months. One comment in particular got so many likes from other mothers that I knew we needed to address it on the podcast ASAP. This comment from a mom with the Instagram handle Mir Cooley said, I'd love to hear an episode about how to help children choose and navigate friend groups. It's such a strong outside influence. How much should I guide my child on choosing friends? How do I explain red flags within unhealthy friendships without judgment for others' decisions and differences? These are such incredible questions, and it occurred to me that this could be a great topic for this month's back-to-school theme, which is you are your child's most important teacher. What could be more important than explicitly teaching our children how to be a good friend and choose good friends? I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guests who are going to dive deep into this topic. Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer are the founders of Future Focus Parenting and co-hosts of the popular podcast, Raising Adults. They say that they aren't all about raising kids. Instead, they hope to raise fully functioning, happy, healthy adults and believe that parenting with a long range view is the key to that. Between them, Kira and Dina have a background in childbirth, sleep consulting, education, and mental health. Dina is a mom and stepmom to five teenagers, and Kira is a mom to nine year old boy girl twins. I'm incredibly excited for them to share their wisdom on teaching our children to choose good friends and to be good friends. But first, a couple of quick announcements. Are you signed up yet for my free class about starting or growing a podcast? I am offering four of these this month, so if you've ever thought about starting a podcast, even if it was just a very fleeting thought, or if you already have a show and you're frustrated that it's not growing more quickly, join me and my dear friend and podcasting colleague, Monica Packer, from the show About Progress, as we walk you through how busy moms can start and grow impactful podcasts. We can't wait to spend an hour live and online with you. And again, it's free. So what are you waiting for? You can sign up at podcastu.co slash free class. And our first class is tonight if you're listening on the day that this episode airs. So don't wait. Head to podcastu.co slash free class. And if you can't attend live, we will send out a replay. So get signed up. Second announcement. If you're in the middle of doing distance learning or homeschooling like I am, you might be looking for some free resources that are also educational for your kids and that require no hands-on help from you so that you can get a little something done while they do it. If so, let me remind you about a podcast that my kids are obsessed with, Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. Each episode of this podcast features a different inspiring woman from history or current events and tells the story of her life as an exciting fairy tale that will encourage your children to dream big. This podcast would make a perfect addition to your learning curriculum this year. I will warn you, however, that if you want your kids to be occupied listening to the podcast while you get something else done, run out of the room as soon as you press play. Because if you start listening to even a minute of these inspiring women's stories, you will get sucked into and listen right along with your kids, which I guess isn't such a bad thing. You can find Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls on your favorite podcast app. I hope you enjoy it as much as my family has. And finally, just a quick reminder that this month of episodes is sponsored by BetterHelp, the world's largest counseling service done 100% online. BetterHelp makes therapy more accessible to anyone who needs emotional support by offering their services online and at an affordable price, and they even have scholarships available. To get started, go to betterhelpcom 3in30, and you'll fill out a brief questionnaire about your history and your specific needs for emotional and mental health support, so you can be matched with the right counselor. BetterHelp works with over 3,000 licensed professional counselors across the country with a wide variety of expertise, so there is going to be someone who is a great match for you. They're also currently recruiting counselors in all 50 states because their demand is very high right now. You can start communicating with your counselor within 24 hours of submitting your questionnaire and schedule a secure weekly video or phone session. Plus, you have the option to text or chat with your therapist. BetterHelp has been so generous to offer listeners of 3 and 30 10% off your first month with the discount code 3 and 30. So if you've sometimes wondered if maybe you would benefit from therapy, why not give it a try with this super convenient, affordable, and confidential option? Go to betterhelpcom 3 and 30 for 10% off your first month. That's slash 3 and 30. And now onto the show. I can't wait for this discussion about how to help our kids navigate friendship. Here we go. Dina and Kira, welcome to 3 and 30.
1: Thanks for having us. Thank you. We're so excited to
0: be here. Well, I am thrilled to interview you. You have a wonderful podcast and an organization that supports parents. And I particularly love that the two of you are kind of in different phases of parenting. One of you is parenting elementary age kids. One of you is parenting teens and young adults because I really feel like that adds to the breadth of your conversations and the wisdom and the discussions that you have. And I'm so excited for you to bring that to this discussion about friendships.
2: Yeah, we're definitely in different phases of the journey. That's for sure. Mm. I have five teen and young adult children that range from 16 all the way up to 21 wow. while Kira's are nine. So yeah, it's definitely different seasons.
0: Yeah. And I feel like so often with takeaways on my show, because I have younger children, Moms will say, but how does this apply to older children? And so, I love you've intentionally chosen takeaways that you believe apply to all ages, right? With this friendshipping topic.
1: Yeah, definitely, absolutely. And Kira
2: will really share how to kind of lay the foundation for each of our takeaways with those younger children, mm-hmm. and then I can pop in and and maybe share how that might morph or change with older mm-hmm. children, or even how it might look a little bit different altogether.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's great. Well, let's just go ahead and jump in. Do you want to get us started with your takeaways? Sure. Well, Kira and I often build
2: acronyms on our show, Raising Adults. I am a self-professed word nerd. And since we're talking about friendship today, our three takeaways spell the word PAL. So P-A-L. So our first takeaway is that letter P and it stands for pay attention. So one of the very first things we want to encourage our children to do is be good observers of friendships and that includes many things. First observing what do you like in a friend? So some of this comes out of probably conversations you start at home. What makes a good friend? What are the qualities you'd look for in a friend? And then as you're interacting and as your children go off to school or activities or community events, they should really be watching their friends and thinking about how they interact and what they like about what they're seeing and what they maybe don't like so well, because that really will help them clarify who they'd be interested in being friends with and what are those traits that might make them mm, have a little bit of a red flag or say, maybe this isn't such a great choice for me. And Mm -hmm. especially with those younger ones, you might have to talk that through with them a little bit, like really thinking about what makes a good friend. And there's also a really great, unique way that you can do this right in your own home that
1: Kira's going to talk about. Perfect. Yeah, especially with younger kids, one of the most effective ways to help them pay attention is to use the media that they're engaging with. So that could be a TV show that they watch, or it could be a book that you're reading with them. Those are amazing opportunities to have discussions with your kids and go, hmm, what did you think about that behavior? Or what would you have done differently? Or also the empathy piece. This is a wonderful way of teaching empathy, which is key to being a great friend and also kind of what to look for in a great friend. Mm -hmm. Asking, you know, what do you think is going on for that character that's making them behave that way? Is there anything you Mm -hmm. noticed that makes you think, oh, I think they're hurting and that's why they're lashing out. And helping kids start to break down the behavior of others to understand where it comes from, why it's happening, what's actually not about them, what is about them, <laughs> and, yeah. and how to kind of piece all that together. And so just as simple as sitting down with a story and going, wow, what did you think of the way those two people talk to each other? Yeah. Is a, a fantastic way of, of helping your kids pay attention.
0: Oh, I love that. I love the suggestion of using media because sometimes we don't want to use the actual behavior of other children because we don't want to sort of gossip about the other children or or talk about them negatively to, we may want to point out something to our kids, but we don't want to put that on the other kids in the neighborhood Sometimes it's appropriate to do that and kind of talk through it with them. But, but the idea of using media, this totally like third party to have a discussion is so unique because I think so often, too, we can think, I don't want my kids to watch that show or that movie because the kids are kind of mean in it. And maybe that's true, but it's also a place to start a discussion when there are mean kids in it. Say, talk to your kids about it and use it as a starting point for these really great discussions.
1: Absolutely. I really, I
2: appreciate that you said that, Rachel, because where this can really be true with older kids is we now have the real onset of social media as such a form of technology and media that we're interfacing with. And I think you're exactly right. There can be maybe this tendency to want to disengage from it altogether rather than seeing it for the great learning opportunity that it is. Mm. I mean, this is the observing piece. Teens can be watching the threads or again turning that mirror on themselves and thinking about what are they going to comment what are they going to post yeah and that's really fundamental
0: yeah and i do think it takes some conscious conversation i don't think our kids will necessarily be making the connections until we invite them to make the conversations so having those discussions or even having like a little family meeting where you discuss friendship what makes a good friend how are we going to be good friends and you kind of invite them say Look at your social media feeds, your life. Keep an eye out for examples of this in your real life. It may only start clicking then once you kind of invite them to look at it critically. Have you found that to be true?
1: Absolutely. And I think, too, with the media example, sometimes I'll split the difference. So I'll say, you know, I'm going to turn this show off. Can you tell me why I'm doing that? Mm. And it forces them to think about, you know, they know I don't love when they're constantly exposed to people being catty or mean. And a lot of the shows from my generation, like growing up, you know, kind of being a young kid in the 80s, that was how they tried to teach these lessons was like, let's show everybody how not to do it. (laughs) And then we'll have a, a come together at the end of how it's supposed to be. But really, you're just seeing that behavior over and over and over again. So a lot of the time I'll sort of cut it off but then we'll have a discussion. I don't just cut it off. I want them to understand why I don't want them exposed mm-hmm. to it. And it helps them start to formulate those things for themselves.
0: That is brilliant. Yes. Such a great suggestion. And what are some of the questions that you ask your kids to help them to start to think about their own friendships, to, to identify who's a good friend and who isn't?
1: Yeah. So this is our second takeaway. The A in the PAL acronym is ask good questions. Dina and I are enormous fans of questioning. In fact, questioning is one of the most effective ways to parent for a couple reasons. First of all, you get a lot more information when you question than when you just tell your kids things. Mm. But second of all, it really makes kids um, develop critical thinking skills. If you're asking questions, instead of just telling them what to do or telling them what you think, it allows them to kind of start to formulate the muscle of how do I think critically about everything, not just about friendships. And then finally, questioning really makes kids feel heard and seen. Because it's like, wow, my parent was really interested in what I think and what I have to say. So it builds a really beautiful foundation of communication between parent and child when we're questioning. Mm-hmm. So questions to be asking specific to friendships. Uh, how does this person make you feel when you're with them? Do they make you feel good about yourself or bad about yourself? And if the answer is bad about myself, you go, interesting. Next question. (laughs) Is that how a friend should make you feel? How should a friend make you feel? What are the things that a good friend does? What are some things that maybe somebody who's still working on friendship doesn't do or does do? And that's the other piece you mentioned earlier, Rachel, about, you know, we don't want to use specific kids. And I agree with that. And I think it's really important that kids understand that everybody's working on this. This is, it's like universal. Kids are learning how to be good friends. So even if we're commenting on a kid in the neighborhood because it is appropriate, it's okay to let kids know, you know, it looks like they're still working on developing their friendship skills. We're all working on something. Mm. You can also ask, does that person choose you a lot? Because I see in my neighborhood a lot of, you're fine to play with when no one else is around, Mm. but when everybody else is around, I'm not that interested in you. So should a friend be someone who always chooses you, who wants to be with you? And then also asking them questions about their own behavior. And this is where that empathy piece is, you know, you can really build this with that as well by saying, you know, that's interesting. I heard you say X, Y, or Z. I'm wondering if your friend had said that to you, how would that have made you feel? So not only are you helping them reflect on, am I being a good friend, but you're teaching that empathy piece of stepping into someone else's shoes and imagining what that experience must be like for them. And so those are just a few examples of the kind of questions that you can ask to help your kids think critically about their relationships.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's so profound. And I do feel like with that empathy piece, you talked about this earlier asking them why might that person be acting that way to help them to see that when people are hurting sometimes they hurt others yeah. and I think is really good but then how do you also teach them that it's still not okay for them to mistreat you even if they're hurting but you can still have grace for them how have you navigated those conversations with your kids
1: That is a great question, and I think you just said it. I mean, I think it's – Dina and I talk a lot about teaching our kids how to hold things in tension, how to hold things with both hands. Like, it's okay to acknowledge that that kiddo is hurting and that they're responding in this way, but that doesn't make – their behavior okay. One of our favorite phrases to give parents with just regards to raising kids with emotional intelligence is your feelings are okay, but that behavior is not. Mm. So I totally welcome those feelings, but I'm going to need you to change the way that you're behaving because of them. And so it's the same thing. Help if you're If they're hearing that at home constantly, right? Like, hey, I can see you're really mad and frustrated. It's okay to be mad and frustrated, but please don't slam the door. That's not an appropriate way To show us that you're mad and frustrated. Then, when you say, wow, it looks like, you know, Sarah is hurting and her feelings are okay, but what do we think about her behavior? Is mm. that a good way of expressing if she's hurting? Could, what other ways could she have done that? And that goes back to that questioning piece.
0: Yeah. And think about, I mean, incredible boundaries that you're teaching your kids there about how to allow people to treat them in the world when they're grown-ups, while still having compassion and grace for people's experiences, but still having that healthy line with how they are treated. And and Dina, how have you seen this asking great questions? Does this work with teenagers or do they just kind of shut down and think that you are being nosy? <laughs> I think it really
2: depends on A, the situation and B, the teenager. Yeah. So th- this does shift a little bit as our children get into those teen years, particularly in that we might be leading with a very different question. So I'm still using a lot of questions in my household As Kira said, we're really big fans of that because you're really inviting your child to enter into a conversation with you and you do get more information that way. But with teens, we might start with a question that's something like, are you just wanting me to listen right now or is it okay if I ask a few questions about what's going on? So that leading question might be, can I ask some questions? And then the follow-up to that is critical as well. And that is that then we as a parent have to be okay if they say, no, thanks, I'd rather not have questions or feedback right now. I really just want to share. And what I love about this is when we're open to that, and when we can accept that no, thank you, we've just laid the foundation for them choosing to come to us again the next time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe that time they will say, hey, I'd love your thoughts on this. And so we really develop this environment that says, you know what, my parents are a safe place. And so that's what I love about that. But it is important to be aware that sometimes they're just venting or they want nothing more than a listening ear and that needs to be okay.
0: Yeah. And I think so often what I, when I'm venting, what I need first is just a little bit of validation. You know, my husband, a lot of times when I vent to him, he'll immediately start asking questions. He wants me to dig deep and change my mindset and think positive. But I, it's like offensive when he starts off with a question like, well, what about this? All I want is for him to say, that sounds really hard first. And then he can ask the question, you know, (laughs)
1: This is a a universal problem, I think, Rachel. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. And I think with our kids too, just saying like, that is so hard. That is legitimately hard. Because I think as adults, sometimes with kids' problems, with kids' drama within friendships, we have the big perspective that it's not that big of a deal, but it's so real to them. And to just say, that's so hard. I remember when I went through something similar and then start in with, what do you think the motivation could be behind that behavior? How does it make you feel all of that after?
1: Absolutely. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And one thing that I think is really powerful about asking questions instead of trying to fix it right away is that well, I think I am so often tempted to just I get mama bear. So when my kids tell me something about like a situation on the playground, I start to bristle and I think, what, that kid is such a little brat, you know, that, and I want to say that kid is not worth your time, but it's so much more powerful for me to just listen and to realize my kids are going to be okay. And I don't need to go all mama bear and ask the questions of them so that they can figure out that maybe that kid isn't worth their time or isn't being a good friend, I should say, I should frame that more positively rather than just telling them, allowing them to figure it out, but then also checking back in. So a lot of times this happens on like drives to and from school. I feel like with my kids Mm -hmm. checking back in and saying, so how is it going with so-and-so Are things better on the playground? What have you decided to do about that can lead to really good conversations about friendship.
1: Absolutely. I love, I love all of that. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And then what is your third takeaway?
2: So the third letter in our PAL acronym is L, and this one stands for lead by example. And again, there's a few ways you can do that. The first is modeling with your own friendships. Mm -hmm. We have myriad friendships as adults with family members, with our friends, with perhaps colleagues or coworkers, and our kids are watching especially if we've done well at teaching them the letter P, pay attention. So they're watching and we have a really great opportunity because we're uniquely positioned kind of to be on display for our kids. And so in our own friendships, they get to see us reaching out to make time for our friends us being kind. If something hard has happened to our friends, maybe they see us going to the effort to bring them a meal or give them an extra phone call or send them a handwritten note. I think we have a really special opportunity as parents to be modeling. And, And Kira and I talk all the time about modeling and being that example. And our friendships are a great place to do it. And I also think what's great about that is it ties back to that first piece with observing because one place kids can learn a lot about the kind of friend someone is is by how they treat their family. And so watching even those inner family relationships can be super helpful. So we can't skip that modeling piece. It's really important. Yes.
1: Yeah. And another interesting way to think about modeling, it's almost like an oversight that parents make sometimes, is I see a lot, um, you know, there's a dynamic between the kids that's really kind of yucky and and that mama bear instinct kicks in because I have that too. But parents feel bad saying no to a play date. And so they keep putting their children in these positions, even if at home they're saying, yeah, I don't really like the way that they treat you either. But then they keep having a play date. And it's okay to also talk through you know, I don't want to model for you that it's okay to keep pursuing a friendship that you've expressed to me makes you uncomfortable Mm. and maybe if we've tried to work that out and it's not getting worked out it's also okay to model you know I think we should take a break from that friendship for a while and allow that even if that feels a little uncomfortable to the parent you're modeling for the child it's okay to take care of yourself in that way
0: Mm. and even talking through that with your own friendships I mean you have to be careful with that what you talk about in front of your kids but saying like I'm taking a pause because of this or you know, just talking through some examples of how adults navigate difficult relationships or conflict without getting nasty. So if we're talking bad about people behind their backs and our kids see that, then they think it's okay to gossip and talk bad about people behind their backs. But if they see us living with integrity, but also having good boundaries, then they can have that as well in their relationships.
2: That's exactly it. And that's that's a part of modeling as well. Sometimes we might have to model how to kindly yet firmly extricate ourselves from a relationship. Yes. So I think both of those things can happen. Yes. Another great place we can lead by example is how we set up our kids' sibling relationships. And some of this is just even with our words i love kira mentioned earlier how talking about if someone is struggling in an area we're saying they're still working on that part or maybe they're still working on being a good friend how we frame the vocabulary is really huge here and with siblings we can say things like you know this is your first friend mm. and really setting that that sibling dynamic up as a friendship rather than what it often becomes which is maybe some animosity right so setting that up well and really creating positive interactions with your kids so that they can grow to foster friendships at home. And what I love is when kids do have brothers and sisters, they also get to kind of practice. It's like flexing that muscle, as Kira said earlier. They're getting lots of opportunities to learn about things like taking turns or sharing or choosing to use kind words when maybe a mean word would be easier in the moment. So sibling relationships are such a great foundation. And I think that's another place where parents can certainly not intentionally but might inadvertently miss that. Oh, here's an opportunity right in my own home to really lay a groundwork for what it's like to not only attract a good friend, but to be a good friend.
0: Mm-hmm. And it all this also makes me think about what are we modeling with our sibling relationships, with our own siblings and our own family. And if we want close healthy relationships between our kids are we showing them what that looks like as adults where possible i know sometimes there's real hard dynamics within families but where possible are we showing them how to be good lifelong friends to their siblings
1: absolutely yeah i mean and, and even if that relationship is strained it's okay to walk with your kids through that mm, you know yes. like here's why i don't speak to your uncle joe um it hurts my heart that we don't speak this is what I need from my relationships. What do you think about those needs? Mm. You know, that that same idea. its They're so intertwined the way that w- with all of parenting, not just relationships, the way that we walk through life really impacts the way that they're going to walk through life. Yes. And so as hard as that is as a parent walking the talk is really important. Yes,
0: that's so great.
1: And then I I think the final thing to think about with the leading by example, and you touched on it, Rachel, and said it so perfectly, is that normalizing piece. Again, across all of parenthood, Dina and I are enormous fans of normalizing everything for our children, because the truth is, most of what they're going through throughout their lives is very normal, and we've all been there. Mm. But especially when they're little and they look at their parents and they think, oh, you've got it all figured out, and if they don't know that you had friendship drama, if they don't know that you failed a test, if they don't know that you got nervous before a presentation, then they think what they're feeling is wrong or weird. But when you normalize that and go, you know, I can understand why you're feeling nervous. I used to get really nervous before tests too. Here's how I coped with that. Or I wish I had known then how to cope with it. Can I help you learn a coping skill? But if we don't do that normalizing piece, then they're kind of left feeling quite isolated and alone in their feelings. And so, with friendships, normalizing that kid friendships can be tricky because your kids. And you're all learning how to do this. And by the time you get to adulthood, hopefully you've figured it out. You've found the people that you want to have in your life. You've developed those great relationships. But you know what? Right now, kid friendships can feel hard. And I say that to my kids all the time. Yep, that sounds really hard. You know what? Kid friendships sometimes are hard. You're in a hard season. But on the other side is the relationship you see between me and my best friend. Is the relationship that you see between daddy and his best friend. You know, comparing it and, and that modeling piece comes back in as well.
0: Mm. And I love there the the language that you use. Kid friendships are hard because you're all still learning how to do this. Reminding them you're learning. It's going to get easier. It's going to get better. And when you're an adult, you can look forward to some really healthy, great relationships when people have learned more. And I think about even in like i had some really rough friendships in middle school <laughs> and i look back and i think i kind of think why did i allow myself to be treated like that but i was learning and when i then when i look at the transition into high school i'm like by the time i got to high school i had some really healthy steady friendships that i still have today and you have to go through the hard stuff to learn how to be a good friend and how to choose good friends into the future
2: Yes. And you said that piece too, that's so important about giving them hope that, hey, you have these great friendships to look forward to. I think that's important because back to something you said earlier, Rachel, we can see in the grand scheme of things, this is just a blip on the radar, but to them, their friend drama feels Mm. huge and hard. Mm -hmm. And so it is important for them to have those great relationships to look forward to because when they're in the hard, it can be hard to see past that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been so helpful. I know I feel much more equipped to address this topic with my children. So thank you for that. We're going to be having a family meeting about friendship for sure. And if listeners want to learn more from you, where should they start?
2: Well, a really great place to start out finding us is our podcast, which you mentioned at the top of the show. It's called Raising Adults. And that is because we are really all about two pieces, intentional parenting and proactive parenting. So we want to help parents really parent with intention. And we start all of our podcast episodes with our why around a certain topic. And then we move very quickly into the hows and the practical pieces. So that is a great place to start. The podcast is again called Raising Adults, and it's on all major platforms. And if you just want to learn more about Kira and I, or you're interested in parent coaching, or want to check out some of our online resources, those are all at our website, which is futurefocusedparenting.com. Great.
1: And we have a freebie for your listeners. Oh, so perfect. if 3 and 30 listeners want some free swag, <laughs> they can go to bit.ly, so B-I-T dot L-Y slash Raising Adults Podcast. And we have a short video called Three Essential Strategies for Raising Adults. And then we have what we call our Calendar of Character Traits, uh, which takes 12 months. And each month, you get a whole host of stuff all about a particular uh, character trait that we feel parents would want to instill in their kids. So we've got like integrity and kindness, that empathy piece we were talking about. And every month we look at integrity and we give parents activities they can do with their kids to help foster in- integrity, conversations they can be having, ways to model it, books you can read with your kids. It's super robust. And we've got a different character trait for every month. So if they go to bit.ly slash Raising Adults Podcast, you can get those for free.
0: Wow. That is an incredible resource. So everybody head over there for that. I'm going to myself. And thank you so much to both of you for coming on 3 and 30 today.
2: Our pleasure. Thanks for having us, Rachel. Thank you for having us.
0: Wasn't that interview fabulous? So many practical gyms and talking points in there. As a reminder of the three takeaways, the acronym is PAL. P is for pay attention. A is for ask great questions. And L is for lead by example. Okay, so P, teach your children to pay attention to their friend's behavior, how they treat people, and if that matches with what they believe to be the characteristics of a good friend. You can also do this with characters in media, books, shows, even social media. Ask your kids to analyze how they're behaving and why it is or is not okay. Takeaway number two, A, ask great questions. Instead of sermonizing to your kids about friendship or trying to jump in and fix it for them during interactions that are a little yucky... Ask them questions that will help them decide for themselves what they want in a friend. Questions like, how do you feel when you're around them? Do they always choose you or do they go back and forth on whether or not you're their friend that day? Are they happy for you when you're happy? And don't forget that validation first, especially with teenagers, often goes a long way. And finally, takeaway number three, L, lead by example. Show your children what it looks like to be a good friend by the way you connect with your own friends and talk about them when they're not around. If your kids hear you gossiping or being catty with your friends, they will think that's what healthy friendship looks like and they will follow your lead. Friends, I'm so grateful that you're here and I want to applaud you for caring enough about your children to take the time to have these types of conversations with them. You can weave them into your everyday interactions such as when you're driving to and from school or when you're watching a movie as a family or reading bedtime stories. Be on the lookout for opportunities for conversations about friendship and then use these takeaways to guide you. You are doing a fantastic job and I hope you have a beautiful week with your family.